Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Dan Englander. Dan is the CEO and founder of Sales Schema, a fractional new business team where he helps marketing agencies attract clients, keep their pipelines full, and grow. He's also the host of the Digital Agency Growth Podcast and the author of Mastering Account Management and the B2B Sales Print. In this episode of the One Big Tip Podcast, Dan is telling our listeners how distinct and creative campaigns can lead to valuable relationships and sales. So Dan, I'm so happy that you're able to join me today. Welcome thank, to the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We were joking a little bit, you know, in the pre-call caught some interesting things about your prior careers on, you know, on LinkedIn. Can you give us a little bit of a background of who you are and why you are amazing? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so again, Dan Englander, CEO and founder of a company called Sales Schema. My background uh, originally is in the agency space, basically moved to New York out of college around 2010, worked a couple internships and then find, found myself as kind of an accounts grunt pitching things to random brands back when you could just say, we do social media and we're really cool and hip and then brands would be giving you millions of dollars. Uh, from there, I fell into kind of a split sales client service role at a boutique boutique creative house and learned finally took ownership over being in sales while managing clients and selling animated video to big companies and agencies and help them grow to seven figures. And then 2014, um, a little bird named Tim Ferriss started chirping into my ear, read the four hour work week, quit the job, traveled Asia, published uh, some self-published some business books and started sales schema. And then Eventually, you know, before long, we kind of morphed into what what we are now, which is a fractional new business team, and we're going out to the market to help our clients get meetings. And we've learned a lot over the years and changed kind of how we do things. But ultimately, what we're focused on is helping our clients keep the pipeline full in the context of selling to busy and skeptical decision makers, often for marketing services. So that's a really big mandate. Uh, you know, what you described there, right? You have these, uh, uh, basically you're helping sales organizations do more sales, right? Actually put more, uh, you know, put more leads into their pipeline. What makes your team or your approach unique to, you know, to the exclusion of all these other pro uh, professionals who have already worked in this space and maybe think they know everything there is to know about it? Like what makes you guys so unique in this space? Yeah, yeah. So to answer that question, you know, I think what most people are doing is kind of a version of the same thing, which is cold outreach, right? 
making a list, okay, we want to go after these companies and proceeding to put them through some sort of funnel that involves, might involve multiple channels like email, LinkedIn, phone, direct mail, et cetera. And I'm not saying that that never works, but I think that what's happened is for most offerings and most, especially digital services and agency services and the like, the level of the, of the market skepticism is higher and the things that used to work, you know, one or five years ago, uh, stop working as well. Because people generally understand the value proposition of an agency. And even if you start start an agency in a new niche like influencer marketing or whatever that becomes trodden and old very very quickly so you know the the way that you communicate in a skeptical market is is different than the way that you communicate in a new market i.e if you're selling i don't know crypto or web3 you could probably just say we do cool stuff with crypto and web3 and manage to get meetings and that kind of thing because it's new so so to answer your question um the way that, that we started thinking about de-risking conversations, which is all we're all trying to do. You're not trying to close anybody from outreach when you're trying to get the meeting, you're just trying to de-risk a conversation is through relationships, right? Through the mutual orbits that our, our clients have, right? And and basically Venn diagramming the people that are already likely to talk to our clients with the people they ultimately want to sell to and focusing on that group. So that's what makes us different is our ability to identify find those people in the data and then write copy that's actually going to convince them to have a conversation based on uh, business and or personal commonalities and relationships. That makes sense. So tactically, I could go a lot further, but that's kind of from a high level what it looks like. What's interesting about what you bring up is how the market has, well, how the, the mediums of how we communicate have been changing over the past couple of years. And it seems now that there are some real tectonic shifts in you know, what's allowed, what's not allowed, what uh, what you can, uh, where you can advertise, where you can't advertise. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what are the changes that you've seen relatively recently, like within the past two years, and how that has affected the marketing that you do and to generate those conversations? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing is just the level of information and understanding uh, about any given offering, right? So I think that we've heard a lot about this concept that, you know, if you're a busy decision maker, you will have consumed dozens of articles and case studies before you even pick up the phone and talk to a salesperson. But I think what's neglected is the fact that those people don't enjoy that process and the fact that that process isn't easy, right? So I think that that's the one thing is just like, the complete, you know, competition for attention and information has, I'm not, you know, observing anything new, but I think that that's increased by orders of magnitude, especially after COVID and the whole world's going digital. So I think that's one of the the bigger things. I think the, the other thing is that in the context of our little domain of outreach, right, doing outbound to get, to get meetings and calls and that kind of thing, you have to be sending, it's, it's a lot more like SEO. It's becoming, I think a mature market. And if, if you're familiar with SEO, there probably was a time in the early, whatever, early mid 2000s where people could like hack it and create and use little tactics and keyword stuffing or whatever to rank a page. And now there's exceptions, but by and large, if you're putting out content that people want to see and you, you know, check, check the boxes and stuff, you're, you're going to rank. And that's the main approach. There's less of a hack. There's less of like this thing going on. And I think outbound and con- conducting outreach, whether it's on LinkedIn or email or phone is becoming more like that. You have to send people outreach that they are not mad at, even if they don't want to necessarily talk to you right now. So that, that those are a couple of things that come to mind. What is really interesting about this conversation is that 
you start out with one simple action, right? You know, whether you're going to make a cold call, whether you're going to send a cold email, whether you're going to put, you know, an ad up in front of somebody based on some kind of targeting. But in order to do that at scale, right, and especially building relationships, you know, doing that at scale, that's a, that I think is a completely different and unique skill set, you know, that you need to think about. Let's talk about your one big tip on how to create relationships at scale, but also, you know, make them distinct and make sure that you're, you know, that you're talking to the right audience, you know, no matter how targeted, you know, in niche that audience is, how does that look in your world? Uh, when you are talking to a customer like that? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I think the main big tip, and there's different ways to put this out there, but kind of thinking about it more as we talk live, I think it's go in, with, do outreach or do sales in a way where you, like where you already have an edge is what I'm trying to say. Like contact the sort of prospects that are already likely to talk to you based on a business or, or personal commonality. So for example, what we tend to see a lot of the time is that people, you know, that are selling agency services or they've been around the block for a while or whatever they're selling, it doesn't matter if it's what it is really. They already have a pretty big network. You know, they are going to trade shows maybe, or they have a podcast like what we're doing right now, or they are doing a lot of business in their own backyard or whatever, or they're, they're in a trade association, they're in a networking group. And then they sort of like forget about all of that. And then they go off and they build lists and they say, ah, I got this really cool tactic that I heard about on a show or read in a book and I'm going to put people through it and say about how awesome we are uh, and go from there. So I think a better way to do that, I might have lost your question, <laughs> is to basically you know, start with the people that are already likely to speak to you cross-reference with the people that you can do business with. And I think that that tends to be a lot more effective. So what we're talking about here is identifying your target market. You know, that's marketing 101, right? You need to identify who it is that you're going to talk to and make sure that you're speaking their language, you are touching their pain points, and you're actually offering a solution that they can latch onto and ultimately purchase. But when you're creating that and you... You know, you want to make sure that you're touching, you know, the various subgroups within that, right? So say, for example, you, you know, you're selling coffee, right? Some people like, you know, just want the decaf. Some people want the extra hard stuff. Others want the ones from Nespresso capsules, things like that. You know, you really do need to be creative that you are not only creative enough to speak that language to each specific subgroup, but also the tools that you're using to be as agile enough in order to help you segment that in order to create those unique and distinct conversations yeah. in order to make that happen. Yeah. So I would just kind of like respectfully push back a little bit in that I think that in the context of B2B and significant deal sizes, significant, you know, can be, can vary depending on your world. All those things, the, 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 the differentiation, you know, the, the, the finding, um, all, you know, those various other checkpoints are, are less important at the beginning than simply de-risking the conversation. The question is, how do you de-risk that conversation with that prospect that, sh- that, that you want to reach? And our whole thing is like the way to short circuit that is to go in with where you already have a certain measure of trust, be it from a relationship or a commonality. So, for example, I'll give a little, you know, this might be useful um, to kind of like, you know, make, make, help people wrap their heads around this. Um, with, we have, a, we have a client, they're an agency, they're based in Chicago. There's, they do big uh, branding work, media, you know, they're probably six figure average deal size. They're selling into hard to reach verticals, healthcare, uh, 
universities, others like that. And we knew we're like, if we just do what everyone else is doing and, and throw a bunch of case studies at some CMOs, they're not going to, they're not going to speak to our clients. So what we did is we said, we're going to find, we're going to say, okay, we're going to identify the companies you want to do business with. You're going to export your list of contacts, you know, whether it's from email or LinkedIn or whatever, you let us know everybody you'd feel comfortable asking for an intro from. We're then going to basically contact the end prospect and say, Hey, we both, we know this person. I saw we have a couple contacts in common, by the way, we're doing this thing. Would you be open to a conversation? And from that, you know, we were getting probably a dozen or so meetings a week from that and big companies, people that don't typically take that meeting. So that that's kind of how we think about it is, is Jeff, I think, I think you're right. All those things are really important, but I think in a B2B context or whenever you're in a situation where a conversation has to happen, that's the first barrier. That's like the first boss. And then positioning and all these important things, uh, come a little bit later. So I don't know, I might've lost your question, but let me know if that's, uh, if that's no, no, that, uh, track. Uh, yeah. that really, uh, that really hits it. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is I want to understand what makes a campaign distinct and creative, right? Cause that was something that you, uh, you know, that we had discussed beforehand and you know, when you're queuing up these meetings and you're analyzing what works for these specific, uh, for these specific clients, like what kind of parameters is your team looking for in order to make them really distinct? So you're not just selling to healthcare client number one, which is the same as healthcare client number two, three, four, five. Like, how do you differentiate that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And there isn't, there obviously isn't a one size fits all for what makes a campaign distinct or creative. But I think the effect, the outcome you're going for is that pretty much everybody that gets that message has to think that it was just for them. Uh, if they think that they're on a list or something like that, it usually doesn't work, right? And 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 also, it has to de-risk the conversation enough. So those those two things combined, there's not one way to do that. But I think the way in which people tend to go wrong with making a campaign distinct or creative is they get a little too self-obsessed. It becomes a little bit too much about them, and they talk about why they're organization is so great before people have given enough attention to care about it, right? So oftentimes for us, um, it's less about the channel and it's less about multiple touch points or sending people visuals or whatever like that. And it's more about the strength of the connection and the commonality. And oftentimes that's like, we're, we're really going for the one touch point to do most of the heavy lifting, right? So for example, um, if you're doing this yourself, even if you never hire a company like ours, this often looks like front-loading the work a lot more. So you're spending a lot more time on identifying the prospects that have that commonality and then writing a really good first letter. And there's honestly something like very old school about that, right? Like writing somebody like an actual letter, not not physical, but like the, the vibe of it is very much like first touch point centric, if that makes sense, uh, to de-risk that conversation. So a, a lot of the times, like the distinctiveness and the creativity of this is sending people a message that looks looks and feels different than everything else in their inbox, right? And there's obviously not one way to do that. We've seen long messages, short messages, whatever, but that's that's kind of how we're thinking about it. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm thinking about a talk that I saw Dan Kennedy give a couple months ago at the Funnel Hacking Live uh, conference where, you know, he's been doing this for a good long time and he was doing it, it, you know, back in the days where it didn't cost half a cent to send an email to any particular prospect. Like you had to put a real physical stamp on a real physical letter in order to send it out. And now we're blessed with so many of these tools, you know, that allow us to, you know, to create these conversations, you know, with so much more frequency. But what happens is that now the competition has gone way up. 
right? Because not only are you sending this out, but you know, everyone else is sending out the same thing. So it's real important that, that you have that message that does pierce through and doesn't feel like you're sending out a group blast, but that I'm dealing specifically with you. And, you know, this is the one who I'm talking to. And that in and of itself, you know, in the copywriting world is literally an art. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's something everyone should master, you know, as part of their skill set. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of the times, you know, this is kind of getting to a different topic because I might be jumping around a little bit, but I think people are expecting too much of their salespeople to be able to master that, right? You might have somebody that's really good on the phone and really good presenting, but you're also asking them to be like a Dan Kennedy level copywriter and manage the systems to get the scale out of it, which is something else we can talk about. So it's like that usually means division of duties. And even if you're a solopreneur or you have a very small team, you've got to think of yourself as wearing different hats in order to actually make it work, right? Make the machine uh, function basically. Yeah. I love it. I love that explanation. Thank you so much for sharing. Dan, can you please let everyone know how they can find you and your company and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? Yeah, thanks so much. So we have a, a on-demand live training, which is a video. It's a fancy way of saying it's a video that you can pause and stuff, which is uh, saleschema.com slash relationships, plural. Um, yeah, and I'm always happy to nerd out. I'm, I'm a big email person. So <laughs> Dan at saleschema.com. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can help. Amazing stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. It's been a very, very interesting conversation. And you know, like you, I love nerding out on this stuff. Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.